Hello and welcome. You know, speaking of uh, random showers, there's one near coming Georgia or downpour, but it's a small one. Otherwise, everything's clear. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Okay, I, listen, I don't intend for this to be hyperbole. We, we got to get into the, the Kavanaugh news, the Cokie Roberts news, and, and the rest. I, I, I don't intend this to be hyperbole. I was actually on an email list with a group of friends talking about this, though. And, and this, I mean, is this the, the biggest news since the resurrection? This is actually really significant major news, and no one is talking about it. Uh, I found it randomly at Popular Mechanics yesterday. It was a story that hit the wire through Popular Mechanics, and, and it, it genuinely has no... People are focused on the president's mean tweets and, and the, the campaign in New Mexico, which we'll get to, and they're not actually focusing on this. And maybe it's because it was an earlier based on an earlier story, but even the earlier story did not gain a lot of traction. Uh, I am talking about the New York Times report from earlier this year where they confirmed with videos that the Navy has seen and recorded uh, unidentified aerial devices flying in ways that defy the laws of physics. Now, the story is being updated because the United States Navy is now confirming that the videos are authentic, are unedited, and were not supposed to be released to the public. Um, this is, let me just read you from Popular Mechanics this. The U.S. Navy has confirmed that three online videos purportedly showing UFOs are genuine. The service says the videos taken by Navy pilots show unexplained aerial phenomenon, but also states that the clip should not have been released to the public in the first place. The three videos in question are titled Fleur One, Gimbal, and Go Fast. They show two separate encounters between Navy aircraft and unidentified flying objects. One video was taken in 2015 off the East Coast by an F-18 fighter jet, F, technically F-A-18F fighter jet, using the aircraft's onboard Raytheon Advanced Targeting Forward-Looking Infrared Pod. The other clip, also recorded with a Super Hornet, was taken off the coast of California in 2004 by pilots flying from the aircraft carrier USS Nimitz. In the videos, air crews loudly debate what the objects are and where they came from. The videos were released for public viewing by the New York Times uh, and to the Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences, a, a UFO research group by former Blink-182 member Tom DeLong. I love Blink-182. Does that date me? In any, in any case, uh, in every case, the objects in the videos undertook aerial maneuvers that are not possible with current aviation technology from any country. In fact, defying the laws of physics as we know it. In, two, in the 2004 incident, the objects appeared suddenly at 80,000 feet, hurtled toward the sea, stopped at 20,000 feet, and hovered. They then either dropped out of radar or shot straight back up. The other video showed the objects hurtling forward at speeds aerodynamically impossible given the shape and then abruptly stopping uh, the Navy trying to give chase. The Pentagon says the aerial objects in the video are simply unidentified and unexplained. The Navy is pointedly not saying they're flying saucers or controlled by aliens or anything like that, but they have no idea what they are. 
they defy the laws of physics. They move in a way that aerodynamically they should have not been able to move. They have no idea what they are, but they confirm that they're absolutely legitimate. The videos are undoctored, and uh, the pilots did see these things. This is absolutely bizarre. It is genuinely bizarre. Now, I can't play the videos for you, and the reason I can't play the videos for you is because the naval pilots are cussing like sailors trying to figure out what the heck is going on. But these objects are are cylindrical, tier, uh, near teardrop-shaped ob- objects that just show up in the upper atmosphere, drop all the way down to sea level, and then skyrocket up again, or in one case, um, shoot forward faster than the planes can fly. They have no idea what they are, but they're confirming they're real. Now, the only reason I'm bringing this up is we now have the Navy confirming that this is all real. The United States Navy confirms it's real, confirms they shouldn't have been released, confirms they have no idea what they're looking at, confirms the speeds and altitudes of the objects, confirms that the shapes are not aerodynamic in a way that should be able, capable of flying, cannot find propulsion for these things. They do not generate engine heat in the way that a propulsion device, a a carbon-based propulsion device should do. They confirm all of these things. And nobody's talking about it. Now, I got to I gotta tell you, even me talking about it, I, I think I sound like Art Bell, the the, the kooky UFO ghost guy who, who used to come on the radio at like 3 o'clock in the morning. It is completely bizarre. But it's also now confirmed by the Navy that this is all real. Um, we essentially have some devices, large devices, larger than the planes, that are not of aerodynamic shape that can hover, uh, shoot up to 80,000 feet, go faster than uh, our top-end fighter jet. Yeah, this is just crazy. Nobody has any idea what they are. None. Um, it's just weird. And no one wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to. And I understand why people don't want to talk about it, because it brings out the fringe crazy people from the Internet. I, I But it looks like in this case, the fringe crazy people are right. And I don't believe in UFOs. I, I don't believe in little green men. But there's clearly something here and the Navy is going on record confirming it all. That's just bizarre. Just bizarre. That's all I got on this. I'm just telling you, this is like the biggest story of our lifetimes. And here I am uh, talking about it. And that's it. It just absolutely bizarre. Now, having done the bizarro UFO story, uh, we now need to get to the bizarro New York Times story about Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, The reporters, Kate Kelly and uh, Robin Pogrebin, the writers of this story and the writers of the new book on Brett Kavanaugh, went on with Allison Camerata on CNN this morning, said some very, very interesting things, um, including there was a tweet about how Well, you may think it's harmless fun for a male uh, organ to be shoved into your hand by people. Um, And then the tweet went on. It was deleted and apologized for. And the New York Times is throwing Robin Pogrebin, the reporter, under the bus. Listen to this. A controversy about a tweet the New York Times sent out. And this one was about the Debbie Ramirez experience. This one did come up. This one was that she says that it was during a dorm party that Brett Kavanaugh exposed himself and actually um, sort of thrust his crotch uh, unclothed into her 
space. And the way the tweet characterized that moment um, was as harmless fun. You may consider this, quote, harmless fun. Whose wording was that? You know, I think we, we decided to try to not necessarily excavate blame for this tweet, but to realize that in a vacuum, it was, you know, ill-worded and, and, and poor judgment and shouldn't have gone out. And so we took it down and apologized. Um, I think what we, the reason we decided to run this excerpt was to contextualize the allegations of Deborah Ramirez, which is what our book does, which is one of these stories that we felt got passed over too quickly in the confirmation process, and to give her story sort of the fullness of real true investigation and the fact that we have seven people who remember it. And that was the, so the purpose of the excerpt, and to really kind of flesh that out when it never really got its due. No, for sure. And we will get into the substance of that because it is really important. But it's just the wording of the something like that happening at a party being harmless fun. And according to Politico, Politico is reporting that a Times insider um, says that it was you, Robin. So I just wanted to get your response to that. All I can say is the tweet was written and the tweet was sent out and it shouldn't have. Um, it shouldn't have happened. But do you want to respond to Times Insiders who say it was you? You know, I, I just feel like it's it's a distraction on all this thing to try and to go back over that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Now here's what she can't say. Here's what she can't say. She wants to say it, but she can't say it. She she wants to blame someone at the Times, but she can't. They're throwing her under the bus, but she's employed by the Times. They're attacking their own employee. They're they're making it about their employee. They're mad with them. Except there's a problem. There there's actually a a pretty significant problem that they're not willing to go down that path and that is that it was the new york times that edited out the information she says she and her her co-writers say that they actually put it in the story that the woman had no memory uh, and that it was changed uh, that's actually pretty amazing that they're saying that the New York Times editor stripped it out. In your draft of the article, did it include those words that have since been added to the article? It did. It, it did. did. So somewhere in the editing process, those words were Yeah, trapped. I mean, I think what happened actually was um, that, you know, we had her name. And, and, you know, the Times doesn't usually include the name of a right. victim. And so I think in this case, the editors felt like maybe it was probably better to remove it. And in removing her name, um, they removed the other reference to the fact that she didn't remember okay, it. So yeah, so someone at the Times, not them, removed it. Yeah, well, we did actually learn something new about the Kavanaugh situation, and it is actually huge news, so big that CBS Evening News did a story on it, and it was the focus of their story. Interestingly enough, it isn't the focus of any other major news outlet out there, and yet it is major, major news about the Kavanaugh situation. I'll tell you what it is when we come back. This is so timely. My thanks to ExpressVPN for sponsoring the show. If you haven't used ExpressVPN, it's something you really, really need to consider. Uh, there are so many stories now about people hacking in, observing you when you're in a coffee shop through Wi-Fi. ExpressVPN doesn't just encrypt your data while you surf the internet on public airport and hotel Wi-Fis. It lets you stream and access content that normally would have been blocked in the country where you might be traveling, for example. With ExpressVPN, you can unblock all your favorite websites and have access 
access to the internet just like you would if you were at home, if you're traveling abroad. It makes it fantastic. ExpressVPN runs in the background of your computer, your phone. Then you use the internet just like you normally would. You download the app, click to connect. Voila, you're protected. You don't travel abroad without ExpressVPN. You really shouldn't be in a coffee shop or a hotel with Wi-Fi without ExpressVPN. Uh, it's the fastest VPN you can try. Costs less than $7 a month. It comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Listen, you want to keep your data secure. You want to protect yourself online. Find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash Eric. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash Eric. For three months free with a one-year package, visit expressvpn.com slash Eric to learn more. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News. Okay, okay, okay. We, we, we got to continue on now. With some more of the uh, just just amazing audio from this interview with Allison Camerata and the various people, uh, the various women who wrote the book about Brett Kavanaugh. I, I am absolutely amazed by... I, I, I'm just I, I'm stunned by the whole interview, including you know last night or night before yeah last night last night Kate Kelly, one of the two authors, says that they never interviewed Max Steyer, uh, who made this claim about this anonymous person, and now today they're saying this. Some of it revolves around this new incident. There was a third incident that you all uncovered, or an allegation, I should say, of a third incident. So not Christine Blasey Ford. Not Debbie Ramirez, both names that we heard about during the confirmation process, yet a third one um, that sort of involved other uh, an allegation of other disgusting, drunken behavior by Brett Kavanaugh. Um, but the woman who it allegedly happened to wouldn't speak to you both, as far as I understand it. And her friends say she doesn't remember it happening. So why did you include it in the book? So uh, what's interesting about this one, Allison, is that you have a witness to this situation, a very respected, <clears throat> good governance advocate in Washington named Max Steyer. And the issue with Max Steyer is that Bill he Clinton. went to senators last year and also tried to approach the FBI to tell them about his recollection of this incident you mentioned involving the woman you mentioned and allegedly Justice Kavanaugh. Um, because of Steyer's uh, respected stature in Washington and because he runs this bipartisan group, um, we deemed it to be credible information, and it was not followed up on. So in that sense, we thought it was a credible incident worth reporting with the details that we did have in the book. And there is more context in the book, although it's not a focus of the book. Did you talk to Max Steyer? We can't address who our sources are um, for this book. There are people that are quoted on the record within the book, and those are obvious. But there is not a notes section talking about other interviews we may have done with other ground rules. And nor are we talking about it uh, publicly. Right. Last night, last night, I don't have the audio for this, but last night on MSNBC, they confirmed they did not talk to Max Steyer. They, they actually did not talk to Max. They built an entire allegation around Max Steyer being a witness to it, and he would not talk to them. Think about that. Think about that Max Steyer wouldn't talk to him. Now, the big, big story we learned, the, the, the really damning accusation that we learned, I'll play it when we come back. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson. I am, well, let's see, make sure, yes, I, I, yes. 
Sorry. All right. The full number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Them's the numbers. We have major revelations from Christine Blasey Ford, um, from her, well, her team and her witnesses. And the nutshell, and I'll play you the audio here in a bit, is Leland Kaiser now says she was pressured into changing her story, but she absolutely doesn't believe Christine Blasey Ford. In other words, four out of four of Christine Blasey Ford's named eyewitnesses now say what she claims happened never happened. Amazing. But before we get to any of that, joining me on the phone from Washington, D.C. is Congressman Jody Heiss. How are you? Doing great, Eric. Good to be on with you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you had a little bit of a circus in Washington today with the, the Corey <laughs> Lewandowski testimony up there. We sure do. Uh, it, you know, it, unfortunately, we're getting kind of accustomed to the three-wing circus atmosphere up here, Eric. It's You know, right now, it's every day there's something else. But yeah, you know, the Democrats are uh, in a, a desperate attempt to undermine the president, and they're uh, stopping at nothing to try to get to that end. Uh, the Mueller report was very clear that there was no collusion, but the Democrats are going to continue trying to push. And, you know, they're trying to now deal with the obstruction issue, and that likewise is just falling dead in the water right in front of them. But they are doing anything and everything they possibly can to harm this president and to no avail. Well, in that regard, it it, it very much seems like uh, Jerry Nadler has sent some mixed signals, but, but the Senate Democrats and Nadler himself almost seem like they're willing to investigate the president to try to keep it in the news, but that they're not really serious about pushing hard on impeachment for either the yeah, president or Kavanaugh, for that matter. A, a great observation, Eric. And, you know, they really are trying to have it both ways. They know there is nothing to impeach the president on, and yet they want all the authority of an impeachment investigation. So really that's what they're trying to do is is pass some very confusing type wording that would basically enable them to have all the subpoena power and investigative power as though it were an investigation for impeachment without being that. Uh, but it's, it's just going to give them an open door to go look and search for anything that they can then come back and say, aha, we found something he did wrong at some point in his life that, that they would go after. So all this, it's, uh, it's nothing but an attempt to try to give them power of massive investigation without uh, actually doing and having an impeachment investigation in the process. Now, before we move into gun control and, and other issues, just one more point on this. It, it seems to me that the Democratic leadership is playing the very dangerous game that John Boehner and Republican leaders played to the Republican base for years saying, we're going to get serious, we're going to repeal Obamacare, we're going to hold hearings, we're going to undermine it, we're going to gut it. Uh, and they never actually kept their promises, uh, which caused a revolt from the base. And here you now got the Democratic leader saying, oh, yeah, 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 we'll get around to impeachment. We'll We'll, we'll actually we'll impeach him and, and they're not. And I just think we're we're more and more about to see the Democratic Party start fighting with each other in ways we haven't seen in a long time. Well, we're already seeing it, quite frankly, and we see it, I guess, a little bit more closely up here. They do a good job of keeping it under hat. But you've got 
of the squad, as they're called, and others really the tail wagging the dog up here, Eric. And and I think uh, at the end of the day, I think Pelosi very much knows that there's nothing to this impeachment issue, and if they continue pushing it, they are going to lose the House. And so Pelosi's trying to pull the reins back, and yet now you've got the tail wagging the dog of the fraction within the Democratic Party pushing for this, stirring up their Democratic Party to continue uh, pushing for it and their constituents to keep pushing for it. And uh, at the end of the day, they are definitely very much not only a confused party, but they are a party that is beginning to have a, a significant amount of infighting. All the while, they are absolutely accomplishing zero legislatively. They are so focused on hatred for the president, they are accomplishing nothing when it comes to legislation. Now, Congressman, I, I, I really do want to talk to you about this gun control issue because even the Democrats right now seem to be having very mixed messages on what they want to do. And now we're actually starting to see Democratic members of Congress come forward and say, yes, we really do want to ban people's guns and take their AR-15s away. And uh, where do you see things shaking out? Yeah, you know, uh, first of all, nothing's going to uh, get past the finish line without the signature of the, uh, the, the, signature of the president. And and the Senate, the Senate's uh, likewise made it very clear they're not even going to consider anything that the president has not said that he's going to uh, be willing to sign. The president is indicating that he's going to come up with something this week. We don't know exactly what it might be, but it certainly is not going to include red flag laws or universal background checks. But uh, you're right, the Democrats are coming out much more boldly, declaring their willingness to seize uh, firearms from uh, law-abiding American citizens. Uh, they are chipping away boldly at our Second Amendment, and this is not going to bid well for them uh, because the American people understand that it is an inalienable right that we have to be able to defend ourselves. And so the more the Democrats go after our inalienable rights and our Constitution, the more they're going to uh, face the wrath of the American people, I believe. And uh, But listen, you, you would think that the Democrats believe that guns literally are just sitting over in a corner waiting to shoot someone. <laughs> right. uh, and they keep coming up with all these things to restrict guns and ignoring all the while the issue is people. And nothing that they're proposing is going to do one thing towards stopping gun violence or mass shooters. Well, in that regard, what are some of the Republican counterproposals that you guys are talking about amongst yourselves? Well, you know, again, it's uh, nothing that we propose is going to make it to the floor. And so uh, the the Democratic leadership is not going to allow that. But some of the things, Eric, that are, that are quite obvious is, again, guns are not the problem. People shoot people. It's not just guns that that make a decision to begin shooting people. So if we're going to have a legitimate conversation dealing with violence in this country, we have got to start looking at things that address mental illness, things that address uh, school dropouts, school, uh, things that address the fact that the vast majority of these shooters are growing up in uh, families without fathers. Uh, we're going to have to address moral issues and spiritual issues in this country. At some point, we're going to have to get to the heart of the uh, issue and at the same time empower the laws that are already on the books that uh, that we don't uh, abide by and enabling our law enforcement to do the job that they have been assigned uh, to do. And so there's multiple issues that actually address the issue 
rather than the instrument. And yet the Democrats are, are continuing to focus on the instrument itself, which is nothing but ultimately an attack on the Second Amendment. And if we're going to address the problem, we've got to get beyond that. Right. Now, before you get out of here, we do need to talk about spending. Um, I, I know there are several spending bills coming up, and we're now crossing a trillion-dollar deficit, not debt. Um, you, you're somebody who you've stood up to your own party over the years on, on spending, and you got to be beside yourself looking at the, the deficit being over a trillion dollars now. Eric, I tell you, there are two groups up here who are absolutely addicted to spending, and that consists of Democrats and Republicans. <laughs> I mean, just to be very honest with you, it is both sides who who are guilty of spending. The attitude is that no one will ever lose an election by spending too much money, and we are literally jeopardizing the future of our country and obviously future generations, even our national security, by continuing down this path of reckless, out-of-control spending. And we are at the point we absolutely have to get our financial house in order. Uh, I believe uh, we're not going to pass a, a spending bill. It's not going to get past the finish line. Uh, we're, we're going to be looking here in the next couple of weeks at another potential government shutdown. I predict we'll come up with another CR. Um, uh, unfortunately, it'll only last a couple of months, and we'll be right at this thing again. So, uh, yeah, at some point, Eric, it is absolutely disgusting the unwillingness of people here in Washington to deal with this massive spending problem. We are having record revenues coming in, uh, but at the same time, record spending and record deficits. And we've simply got to stop this trend and get our financial house in order. Now, before you get out of here, uh, the 2019 Regional Job Fair coming up in your district, I want to give you an opportunity to plug that. Oh, thank you very much for that. Yes, coming up on October 4th uh, at the Georgia Piedmont Technical College in Newton County, we're having a job fair. This will be the third year we've done this. Eric, literally there are going to be well in excess of 700 jobs available that particular day. Uh, we're going to have people helping everything from resume writing to applying for jobs to soft skills, uh, you name it. But this is an outstanding uh, uh, opportunity. Uh, we've got a booming economy, of course, nationally in Georgia, the number one in the country. Uh, we've got jobs all around us, and we just want to reach out to people who are looking for jobs, uh, perhaps looking for career change. We've got a fantastic opportunity at Georgia Piedmont Technical College on October 4th, beginning at 10 a.m. Encourage everyone to come. Thank you very much for stopping by, Congressman. I sure appreciate it. Always great, Eric. Thank you. You're welcome. Congressman Jody Heiss. It is Eric Erickson here. The president went to New Mexico last night, had a big political rally. Let me play you some audio from that rally. Now, under the Green New Deal, that all goes away. That all goes away. It all goes away. You can forget it. No more cows, no more airplanes, no more trips. A single car, make it electric, single car. You're not allowed to travel more than 162 miles. They'll call us the Hermit Nation. We'll never leave our house. No, it's crazy, but that's okay. I don't want to bring it up because I don't want to do it too early. Maybe they'll change. I don't want them to change. 
But think of it for you and for Texas and for so many other places. They want to get rid of your energy. I mean, explain that one. Explain that. Yet every major Democrat running for president, they want to abolish all production of oil and natural gas. In other words, the Democrats want to completely annihilate New Mexico's economy. Yeah. Now, why is he going to New Mexico? Why does he even think New Mexico is in play? The, the margin for the Democrats has been going up every presidential election cycle there. Uh, Mitt Romney did worse than John McCain, did worse than George W. Bush. Well, I'll explain it all when we come back. Good evening. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Nine after the hour. The phone number, if you want to be a part of the program, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Uh, very glad to have you with me. Thank you very much. Now, I'm assuming you've heard about the homeowner who shot the three teens in mass trying to rob him. Uh, yes, this happened in Conyers. I, I covered this on my other show the, the other day, yesterday, as the story broke. Uh, three teenagers, they were 15, 16, and 16. They approached the man trying to rob him and two others on Monday night. He fatally shot all three of them. One of the intended victims returned fire after being shot at, shooting all three of the teenagers. Uh, it appears, it appears he may have used an AR-15. Yep. 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 That complicates things for the whole, whole, nobody needs an AR-15 to protect themselves sort of stuff. So yeah, sad, sad situation. Wait, 15, 16 and 16, and they're all dead because they were idiots. Just horrific. Absolutely horrific. Um, just, just pitiful. Now, okay. Um, we need to play this audio that I have been teasing for an hour. Uh, I actually thought Congressman Heist was calling in this hour. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't have. But I, I want to play this before we get into the president's rally in New Mexico. Listen to these are the two reporters from The New York Times who wrote the book about Brett Kavanaugh, and they break huge news here. And yet the New York Times decided to downplay this particular part. Christine Blasey Ford, of course, she got so much attention because she testified during his confirmation hearings. And during that hearing, there was a feeling of if only we could talk to her friend, the friend who she went to the party with. Surely the friend could corroborate or deny what happened at that party or her memory of it. Well, it turns out you did talk to that friend. And is it fair to say that that friend doesn't really believe not only does she not corroborate Christine Blasey Ford's um, version. She doesn't necessarily believe that it happened. That's right. And this is a very interesting narrative in the book. And this friend, Leland Kaiser, is on the record for the first time with us in the book. Uh, essentially, Leland has said consistently last year and in the reporting of this that she doesn't recall the incident one way or another. At the time in 2018, she did say to a reporter words to the effect, you know, Dr. Ford is my friend and I believe her. Uh, after that, later in the process and during the FBI investigation uh, last fall, she reflected on it. She had an initial meeting with the FBI at which she said whatever she could recall. She then went back, rested, really thought hard about the events that were being discussed, looked at some of the high school photographs of Brett Kavanaugh that were circulating around and decided she didn't find him to be a familiar face at all. She had dated his very good friend, Mark Judge, who was alleged to be in the room during the alleged Blasey Ford assault. Um, she had dated him briefly, um, so she knew some of those boys, but Kavanaugh's face didn't ring a bell. 
And she also thought the circumstances around the alleged incident, the fact that Ford had been at a certain country club that day, um, the fact that it was a relatively small gathering, among other things, didn't ring right to her. So she initiated a second conversation with the FBI and reported all this to them, along with the fact that she had felt pressured to change her story um, by friends of Blasey Ford's and hers from high school. Now, to be fair, we, we have not heard that Ford directed that or even knew about it at the time, but that that pressure was going on. Let's end with Debbie Ramirez's story. Yeah, okay. So this is the big news, or at least it should be the big news, that Christine Blasey Ford's, her eyewitnesses, all of her eyewitnesses, remember she had four people, four people who she said would, could talk about the party. One of them in particular, Leland Kaiser, would back her up. Leland Kaiser says, no, not only do I not back her up, uh, not only do I not believe her, but I actually think, I actually think that she's making it up or it didn't happen. Something bad happened to her, but not that, not at that party. And by the way, people close to Christine Blasey Ford pressured me into changing my story. Can you imagine the outrage if it were the other way around that people pressured Christine Blasey Ford to change her story? The, the, this is the, the central major headline of this, that none of Christine Blasey Ford's self, uh, proclaimed eyewitnesses back up her story. The one who she said would was there has no knowledge of it. It doesn't actually believe it's true. Th- that's, that's amazing. That is genuinely amazing. One more thing that has just cropped up on my radar, Um, Hillary Clinton speaking. uh, We need to listen to Hillary. I know, I know, I know, but listen, it's relevant to Georgia. I've talked with many of the Democratic candidates for president, as you might guess. I've answered their questions about everything from digital outreach to investments in the early states. And I've ended every conversation uh, by saying to each one, Let me tell you what I think the biggest obstacle might very well turn out to be, and that is this. You can run the best campaign. You can have the best plans. You can get the nomination. You can win the popular vote. And you can lose the Electoral College and therefore the election for these four reasons. Number one, voter suppression. We saw what happened in Georgia, where Stacey Abrams should be governor of that state. Yeah, whatever. Registered voters were kept off the rolls. Not Their true. registrations just piled up in some back office with no intention to ever enroll them so that they could actually vote. Not true. We also saw what happened in 2016. Experts estimate that anywhere from 27,000 to 200,000 Wisconsin citizen voters, predominantly in Milwaukee, were turned away from the polls. That's a lot of potential voters. There's actually a mythology to that one as well. Showed up, but maybe they didn't have the correct form of identification. Maybe the name on their driver's license included a middle name or an initial that wasn't on their voter registration. Uh, They don't have exact match in Wisconsin. 
But officials made every excuse in the book to prevent certain people from voting in that election. Just so we're clear here, Milwaukee is controlled by the Democrats. What she's accusing is Milwaukee Democrats, people who supported her, of turning people away from the polls. I'm old enough to remember when Hillary Clinton said uh, that it was a dangerous thing to question the integrity of the election. I'm old enough to remember Stacey Abrams saying it was a dangerous thing to question the integrity of the election. And here's Hillary Clinton. I mean, Stacey Abrams has been out there doing it. It's amazing what happens when the shoe is on the other foot. It really is. Their hypocrisy knows no bounds. They are willing to undermine the election. They are willing to cast it into question when it doesn't suit them. These people are sore losers. What actually makes a better toothbrush? Is it the industrial strength power or the claims of miracle trendy ingredients, the multiple modes? If you ask your dentist, they'll tell you it's less about the brush, more about how you use it. And that's why you need Quip. Quip is the remarkably simple electric toothbrush created by dentists and product designers to focus on what actually matters for your oral health. Healthier habits. Most of us don't brush for a full two minutes. That's what dentists recommend. And Quip makes it easy because the toothbrush vibrates for two minutes with great sonic pulses. And every 30 seconds, it pulses to ensure that you rotate it in your mouth to get an even clean. And you know, 75% of us use old, worn-out bristles. They're ineffective. Quip automatically delivers brush heads to you every three months for clean new bristles right on schedule. The sleek, intuitive design, it's simple to use. It comes with a travel cap, doubles as a mirror mount. It's a great toothbrush. You can ditch the gimmicks, get a Quip. I've been using mine now for about two years, and they're fantastic. They start at just $25. You'll get your first refill free at getquip.com slash Erickson. That is a simple way to support the show and you get a better toothbrushing experience. You go to getquip, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash Erickson. You get your first refill free. Go right now to getquip, Q-U-I-P.com slash Erickson. All right. We're, we're having phone issues, folks. I have no idea. Sorry. Vince wanted to say he um, got to vote without a, um, he had an expired license and could still vote. They let him because he had his license. Yes, um, it doesn't need to be current, which reminds me, you know, I let my concealed carry permit lapse. I got to go apply for a new one because it's more than six months um, past due. And my driver's license, I just realized it's coming up. I got to get that renewed. All the licensing, you got to get renewed. Okay, okay, okay. Um, we've got to talk about the president's going to, uh, New Mexico. Uh, and I want to play a little more of his rally audio. This is the president in New Mexico last night. And they're rich and they take our business and we're supposed to on top of everything else. I could tell you stories, but I'm going to save them for the campaign. You know, because to be honest, this is a little earlier than the campaign. Wait till this campaign starts. You know, like I was telling Brad and I was telling a few of the folks, one thing I don't want to do, Michael, back there, Michael, hello, Mike, what a job he's done. But I'm telling them, I don't want to do this too early. I don't want to do it. You know, the Pocahontas thing, I did that, it was before it's time. Right? It was before it's time. Too early. 1,024th. That means I have more Indian blood than she does, and I have none, unfortunately. I'd like to say I have 
a lot. That would get me another 4%, maybe another 10%. But I was early with her, and frankly, uh... oh, it's coming back. Don't worry about it. But those days are over under this administration. We are finally putting America first. Putting it first. There you go. Uh, now, why is the president going to New Mexico? Well, uh, to put it just, just point blank to you, he wants to expand his uh, share of the Hispanic vote. And there's data that suggests he can do it. Uh, New Mexico itself is trending further left. But that doesn't really matter because New Mexico Hispanic voters are trending uh, con- more conservative than the um, than the Democrats in New Mexico, which is pretty staggering. The New Mexico Democrats are moving to the left, while the New Mexico Hispanic Democrats are moving to the right, or at least um, they're more conservative than the New Mexico white Hispanics. There are a lot of white people, or white Hispanics, uh, white voters, a lot of a lot of white people moving to New Mexico, and they're very liberal, and New Mexico Hispanics are starting to take a gander. They're liking Trump. In fact, Trump had a rally in El Paso, and they were stunned by the massive number of Hispanic voters who came to the rally to cheer on the president from New Mexico, which tipped them off that, you know, there may be something there, and the polling suggests there is. It is 39 after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News. How are you? Uh, so Jody Heiss was here in the first hour. And one of the things we talked about is the Democrats and impeachment. The so Jerry Nadler, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, has all but said publicly impeachment is not going to happen. Uh, he's willing to investigate the president, drag it out, try to embarrass the man, but no to impeachment. The Democrats in the Senate and Jerry Nadler together are now coming out and saying impeachment of Brett Kavanaugh is a non-starter. It is not going to happen. The reason it's not going to happen is because it is fairly well settled in American um, jurisprudence that impeachment is for things that happen uh, while in office, not for things that happen prior to taking office. The Democrats, of course, are dragging that out a little bit with the president to look at things that happened before he was president while on the campaign trail. But they are having a real hard time uh, trying to find a way to get Brett Kavanaugh impeached, considering so much of this was vetted ahead of time. And in fact, the FBI did look at this stuff. We need to remember the Deborah Ramirez situation. The reason the FBI did not delve into it is because Ramirez refused to cooperate. She said she wasn't sure about it, and the only person listed as an eyewitness said he, in fact, was not an eyewitness, but had heard about it from someone else. They approached that person, and that person had no recollection of what they were talking about. And now we know that Leland Kaiser, who was one of four eyewitnesses named by Christine Blasey Ford, says she doesn't believe that the incident happened which is a pretty big deal. Uh, So Kavanaugh impeachment going nowhere. The New York Times, of course, today helpfully has an op-ed saying when the Democrats get back to the White House and the Senate, they should pack the Supreme Court. They They should up the number of justices on the United States Supreme Court. You know who disagrees with that, incidentally? Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who said elections have consequences when elections don't pack the court. Yes, Ruth Bader Ginsburg said that. You know, there is, I mentioned this yesterday, there is this underlying 
sentiment that something may be happening with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and that's why there's so much Democratic angst right now. I And there's no evidence of this. The doctors have given her a clean bill of health, so to speak, although they've used some weird phrases that make people nervous. The buzz in Washington, D.C., though, in progressive circles, is that she is not doing as well as people claim, including herself. Who knows? I, I do go back to, in fact, my piece at The Resurgent this morning uh, in fact, you know, if you we, we change the text number, if you want to text the word show to 33777, uh, you'll get my daily email from The Resurgent, and I'll get you information about the other show as well, um, the, the morning show. But um, my morning piece at The Resurgent was on John Roberts and how he is to some degree culpable in these attacks on Brett Kavanaugh. Now, he, he didn't put people up to the attacks. What I mean by that is... There have been a series of stories coming out about John Roberts, including just the other day, that he was persuaded by progressive outrage over the census case to change his mind and and water down his opinion. And when the left sees that the chief justice of the United States can be so easily persuaded by outrage, of course they're going to amp up the outrage to continually try to rough the ref, so to speak. And in this case, the ref they want to rough up is John Roberts, and he's sending them every signal that it's effective, so they're going to keep it on. The more John Roberts does that, the more they're going to target people like Brett Kavanaugh and Neil Gorsuch, Clarence Thomas, and Sam Alito, and even John Roberts himself, uh, to try to convince John Roberts that he needs to side with the left to depoliticize the court, so to speak. That's also, I think, why they're amping up these calls to pack the court, is they're trying to get John Roberts. you got to remember, historically, back in the 1940s, there was a switch in time that saved nine. Now, that's what you learn it in law school. Uh, the, the conservatives on the court were routinely killing Franklin Roosevelt's agenda. And so Roosevelt and Democrats came up with the idea of packing the Supreme Court, adding more seats to the Supreme Court. And suddenly the conservatives on the Supreme Court started embracing the New Deal and stopped throwing it out. And it's referred to as the switch in nine, a switch in time that saved nine. It was a, a reversal by justices on the Supreme Court suddenly going along with Franklin Roosevelt to preserve nine justices on the Supreme Court. And I suspect that's what the left wants to do with John Roberts, is persuade him to become a progressive to save the court. By the way, I've done a terrible job. I apologize about um, giving you the phone number today, 404-872-0750, wsb talk is the number. I, I So I got a text message. And it was a text. Yeah, it was a text. It wasn't an email. It was a text. Um, I, I mentioned earlier that that I had my own going full circle to the very first story I talked about today, the New York Times, or not the New York Times, the, the well, the New York Times started the story about the Navy seeing UFOs, and it's not just the Navy. Uh, the other branches have encountered similar sightings. If you don't know what I'm talking about because you were here in the first hour, uh, Popular Mechanics is confirming that the Navy says, if you recall the New York Times story, of naval fighter pilots, I can't play the videos for you because there's so much uh, naval profanity in in the videos. Um, but Navy fighter pilots encountering UFOs, uh, legit UFOs that they they catch them. They've got them on video. They are oddly shaped. 
uh, cylindrical teardrop shaped things that penetrate the atmosphere at 80,000 feet. They hurtle down to 20,000 feet. They go down to the, the surface of the ocean and then skyrocket back up. They move faster than things should be able to move. There's no sign of propulsion. There's no sign of uh, carbon based propulsion systems like every nation on the planet uses. And they, they move very fast. They, they have no idea what these things are. The Navy confirms the videos are real. The Navy confirms they have no idea what these things are. The Navy confirms that these things have no heat signature. They've been able to pick them up on radar, uh, but they, they, they genuinely have no idea what they are. The, the things can hurtle from 80,000 feet down to the surface of the sea and then back up. Uh, and they've never seen anything like it. They don't know, and they these have been going on for decades now. The earliest video the Navy has is from 2004. The most recent that they're telling us about is 2015, but the other services confirm they've seen the same things, and they have no idea what they are. You know, ironically, um, the Greek Orthodox have probably the most comprehensive doctrine on this issue, more so than Catholics or Protestants that essentially that their claim is that there there are no little green men that scripture talks about the things unseen the unseen realms uh the angels and the demons and that this is what you're seeing this is what the navy is seeing the 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 passage between the jacob's ladder so to speak except the 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 orthodox priests who have studied this have said yeah the, the odds are is probably not team god because uh, Team God keeps his hand close to himself. Um, it, it's probably the other side. And, you know, from a theological basis, uh, yeah, you know, they write about this in the Bible, the things unseen, um, the unseen realm. And I actually think that's probably more probable than little green men. You can call me crazy. That's fine. I'm just saying, you don't know what they are either. But, I mean, Scripture says there is this whole unseen realm of angels and demons and God keeps his hand pretty close to himself, so it's probably not his team that's deciding to show themselves. Just saying. There is NBC Wall Street Journal polling out. Joe Biden, 31%. Elizabeth Warren, now 25%. Bernie Sanders, 14%. Uh, Buttigieg, 7%. Harris, 5%. Yang, 4%. Klobuchar, 2%. Booker, 2%. Now, what is the most interesting part here? is that um, Yang and Harris are statistically tied. In fact, new polling has Andrew Yang ahead of Kamala Harris in California, where Harris is the U.S. senator and has full name ID, and yet Yang is ahead of her. Uh, white people, Biden and Warren, are tied. Black people, this is why Joe Biden has such strength. 49% for Joe Biden, 13% for Elizabeth Warren among black people. Um, Kamala Harris at 10% among black voters. Among Hispanic voters, it's Warren 29, Biden 23. Uh, the more college education you have, Elizabeth Warren, the less Joe Biden. Pretty, pretty staggering here. And under 35, Bernie Sanders leads.